Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, very warm welcome to you. From all of us here at AusBiz, this is The Call. You know the drill, 10 stocks picked by you, one stock of the day, two expert guests over the course of an hour. We better get cracking because I've got two great guests here with me in studio. Grady Wolf from Bell Direct, good Hello. afternoon. Hello. And also Howard Coleman from Team good Invest. To nice to see you again, yeah. Howard. Okay, I'm going to get straight to it. This half of the program, National Australia Bank, Life360, Transurban, Fortescue, and Hello World. Good. Okay, let's get to the stock of the day, though, because TPG Telecom has seen its share price rally after buying new licenses in the 3.7 gigahertz spectrum for $128 million. It has acquired the spectrum in metro and regional areas as part of an Australian Communications and Media Authorities auction. Now, the acquisition will be funded through TPG's existing debt facilities. So there you go, share price sitting at $4.73. Guys, I thought we would talk TPG because it's an interesting time in telcos mm. in general, right? We've also yeah. got Telstra looking to add Spectrum and yeah. we've got Optus looking a bit shaky, yep. uh, let's say that. And then we've got the likes of, uh, you know, some other sort of telcos, ABB and stuff that are getting a lot of interest. So I'll start with you, Howard. Telcos, defensive, need of it in a portfolio? Not really. I mean, the trouble with telcos is everybody wants the cheapest possible broadband and mobile. So they don't want to pay much. Um, there's lots of competition, so everybody's fighting to be cheaper, but they want brilliant service. Now, you can't at the same time provide brilliant service and be cheap. And that means that all of the companies are either going to end up making much less money than they uh, would like to, not good for shareholders, or will end up with problems, like with Optus. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, when you have a part of the market like this, where there's so much competition and where the requirement from the customers is be cheap, um, it's not a good place to be yeah. putting your money. Good point. Okay, so on the metrics though, TPG? Um, well, when, when, da when David Teo was running it, the metrics looked really good. It had very little debt, it had high return on equity and the earnings were growing. Now it's got very low return on equity. It's been below 10% for the last three years, well below 10%. Uh, earnings aren't really growing and uh, the debt's gone up and now another 128 million, which they're gonna fund out a debt facility. So debt's gonna go up some more. So it hasn't been passing for three years for our team invest members and look worse now. Okay, so that is a sell? Oh, definitely from our point of view. What do you think, Grady? Exactly the same. So we're in a high cost environment and we're in a high interest rate environment. High cost environment means that we customers are looking for the cheapest alternative, as you both said. And then a high interest rate environment means repaying debt is so expensive with every interest rate hike. The RBA just hiked again. All the banks passed it on and the company actually had $3.97 billion in debt as of June 30 this year. They refinanced to $2 billion, but taking on more debt right now, like, what are you doing? So I understand they're trying to be competitive, but 
during the Optus outage and the um, the cyber attacks that have been really plaguing in space recently, TPG hasn't really um, been the beneficiary of switching. It's more Telstra is getting, Vodafone's getting Optus clients. And so TPG is not really on the forefront of many, uh, many consumers in Australia. So for me, it's a definitely an avoid. Um, and their profit margin is also falling since the strong year of 2020. So just uh, there's a lot of metrics there that I'm like, avoid. Yeah, okay. I do note that um, we've got Bell Potter with a hold on Telstra. Yes. Um, I don't know the view actually house view on ABB or if you guys even cover it. I don't know if we cover ABB. I don't think you do. All no. right. So that is a sell, sell, sell for sell. TPG. Wow, it's rare we get a double sell for the stock of the day, but there's That's a first true. for everything. Let's get to the first stock of the day. This has been picked by Betsy and it's National Australia Bank NAV. So guys, I don't think it needs any explanation or introduction. What do you think? It's actually a sell because with the big banks, net interest margin has peaked in, and that's where they obviously make their margins. So it has peaked earlier in FY23. It's looking to come down. The competitiveness in the space is so high. Switching of mortgage rates is so high. NAB's known for their business banking and that's actually been contracting over FY24 and the st- uh, 23 and the start of FY24. Um, their deposits are also contracting. So it's just, they're seeing real headwinds in this current environment. Um, and then also we we see that their share price is already, fa- it's fully valued stock. So any appreciation is going to be lucky given that they're already fully factored in and a premium to ANZ and Westpac, which are believed to be unwarranted given the differentiated core earnings profile. So understanding all of that, there's some headwinds seriously coming at, at NAB and that's why at the moment uh, it's a sell. Sell. Um, come on, Howard NAB. I, I mean, the brokers don't <laughs> like it. UBS is sell, Morgan Stanley underweight. Everybody's either else hold or neutral. Yeah, um, banks are never wealth winners. Um, they not capital killers generally either. No. They're the sort of things that you have in your portfolio, if you do, our members wouldn't, um, and you get a reasonably nice dividend, you get no capital growth, the share price probably going to be the same 10 years later than when you bought it, even though there's been a bit of inflation in the interim. And you want to be buying banks, if at all, at the time when everybody's worried that banks are in trouble. Until everybody's worried banks are in trouble, it's not a good time to buy. PE at the moment is about 12. When bank PEs are less than 10, they're good buys. When they're more than about 12 or so, they're not at all good idea to be buying, and they're on the cusp of that. And in the case of NAB, as Brady mentioned, the business banking is shrinking. And that's not because their business is not wanting money. It's, if, <laughs> it's that interest rates have gone up. So you have a loan expiring. You, you've borrowed 100 million from the bank or whatever, and your loan's now expiring, the time period of it. You go back into the bank. You borrowed it when the interest rates were much lower. They look at it and they say, yeah, we're happy to support your business, but you borrowed 100 million last time and the interest on it was only 3%. Now the interest is nine. Well, we can't lend you 100 anymore. We'll lend you 30. Well, yeah. I'll be surprisingly, the, uh, the, the total book of business loans is shrinking because they're getting fussy on how much they will lend because the cost of the interest is higher and they don't want to risk that the company can't pay the interest. So not a good time to be in banks right now. But if everybody got negative about them and the PE went below 10, then for those people looking for dividend yield, again, as I say, wouldn't be our team invest members. Um, mm-hmm. It could be now, but you know, it's share price today is no higher than it was 10 years ago. And we've had a bit of inflation in between. 
there's some perspective for you. Okay, and so it sounds like these guys, both my guests, don't really reckon there's any need to hold the banks right now. So let's get into a growthier, I don't think that's a word, a growth <laughs> uh, area of the market. And I think that some viewer is having a bit of fun with us getting you two to talk again <laughs> about Life360. So um, if you don't know, there's a bit of a history between Grady and Howard when it comes to this next stock on the list. Uh, this is for Shane, so cheeky Shane. Um, what do you think? Oh, I don't even know who to start with. <laughs> Just somebody put their hand up. Bye, Howard. Grady. No, bye, Howard. Oh, you want me first. Okay. Well, well, we'll, we'll go like... age before beauty today. Okay. I'd be happy if it was called Profit360 and it actually yeah. made money instead of being called Life360. You know, it's been selling more and more of its services. In other words, the revenue is going up, but the profits still don't exist. Um, for the last half year, it claimed to have made a profit, but it's very easy for one half year to make your business look like it made a profit. You just don't spend too much on R&D. You try and keep all your costs down and you make a profit for a short time. But when you look at this company, it's lost money ever since it started. Sounds like a great idea. It's got a terrific story. Um, and the moment anything has a terrific story, you know it doesn't make money because that's why it needs a good story. Otherwise, it could manage to sell its shares. So. Uh, I wish them well. I think what they do in terms of what they supply to families is probably a good thing to have. Um, but I can't see this business being, well, business the wrong term, this story <laughs> being a business. Um, when it becomes a business and it can actually make profits for a couple of years in a row, then it's actually worth looking at. Remember, shareholders, you share in the profits of the company. If the company doesn't make a profit, there are no profits to share in. And what's more, they'll probably ask you for money for the next capital raising if they're losing money. So just judging by that chart, if you had made a bit of money in Life360, would you sell? If you already owned it, because the metrics appear to be going in the right direction, would you hold it? Well, put it this way. If a team invest member held it, they wouldn't tell the rest of the team invest okay. members. They'd be too ashamed. This is a sell but, or an avoid. Um, so this it, is don't be, put new it'd money be a in. Sell, but, you know, it was at one stage up near $14. That would have been, if you had your known, yeah. that would have been a great time to sell. It's now about half of that. I would still uh, recommend you sell. Put the money somewhere where it's profitable and where the profits are growing and therefore you're going to get capital gains over time. Right of reply to you, Grady. Well, <laughs> where do I even start? A huge buy rating with a price target of $11.25. Now, every time we've talked about this stock, Howard said, it's not profitable, it's not profitable. Then I had a profitable quarter, and then he was like, oh, it's just one quarter. Now it's been a profitable half, and now it's a half. And we're expecting it to be profitable for the whole financial year with the results and, and coming out in March. that's a very good sign. I, I, a huge sign, right? Absolutely. And so they've grown their global monthly active users to 58.4 million. Used to be around 30 last time we talked about it. So they're really aggressive on the growth strategy, which is great. Um, turn, for a company, any company in the tech sector, obviously with a freemium model, it is super hard to impose a paid model because everyone just loves to attach to the free model. And so when they put in the paid model and then they've recently increased their prices, that obviously took a couple of months to, for customers to accept that, but it just seems to go from strength to strength. We've got money coming in, they've got good cash. But they've got more money going out than coming in. But that's okay at this time because they've got cash, so they're not gonna look, they've got 63 million in cash. So they're not gonna look for any investors' money anytime soon. They've got profits at their fingertips. I think it's the good life. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, you, you, my dear viewers and listeners, will have to decide if you are Team Grady or if you are Team Howard. But what I will say is this, and I do say it every day, this is information only. This is not telling you what to do with your money. You do have to do your own research or get financial advice if you need it, you know, Absolutely. and if you can afford it, yeah. I suppose I should say as well. But there are two opinions very different opinions unlike 360 and you know i'm so lucky i just get to sit in the middle <laughs> write a few things down and go with see it see if you can stir up a bit more controversy <laughs> yeah. all right uh vanessa has picked the next one on the list and this one is transurban so interesting uh was often thought of one of those companies who would be a beneficiary in a high interest rate environment also has a lot of debt i think recently we heard about it was this week late last week making a move for a um toll road in denver colorado yes. okay so transurban is it too vanilla for you if you like the likes of life 360 <laughs> for me personally it's a bit vanilla but it's um i am actually go with a hold rating on this one we don't actually cover it but consensus to have a look at the research and what the fundamentals are um, obviously, with it's one of the world's largest toll operators, mm -hmm. and naturally you've got government contracts. They're very sticky services and sticky contracts, sticky revenue. So you've got a lot coming in. So that's a big tick for anyone. Um, obviously, it has, as you mentioned, carries a significant amount of debt, which is increasing. So net debt to equity is about 170%, which is just an incredible amount of debt, and also a very risky amount of debt. So in a high interest rate environment. Naturally, like as I did say, the revenues are pretty secure, so they've got strong revenues. But again, if your debt is higher and growing, that's not a very good thing in a high interest rate environment. So with that in mind, for me personally, it's um, it's yeah, it's it's a hold because it is a, a, a good company, a global company. It operates in Australia, Canada, US. So obviously it's got a bit of market share, strong market share, but it also has um, a high amount of leverage. So this it just says that it keeps it out of a lot of institutional mm -hmm. fund managers portfolios. So it's not even considered by a lot of fund managers. So for that reason, it's a hold because it's, um, it's performed pretty well over the last five years, 13% up, but yeah, again, High level of debt is a bit of a red flag for me. All right, just you talked about its global reach and I mean, we feel, and there was some data out this week saying just how many billions we pay in tolls each oh, and every year. Um, but Australia is actually behind countries like the United States oh. to which Transurban um, has exposure. So do you, do you at Team Invest uh, like the metrics around Transurban? No, because it's got virtually no return on equity. In fact, the uh, payout that you get from them is really out of capital rather than out of profits. Um, it's a beneficiary of inflation. So the fact that we've got high inflation yeah. and inflation looks sticky is good for them because all their prices go up with inflation. Yeah, but on know. the other hand, <laughs> yeah. but on the other hand, the high inflation causes high interest rates, which means that they have more money to pay yeah. in interest on their debt. So you know, I love the fact that they built all these roads. I wish they'd build more of them. Yes, I know it costs us a lot in tolls, but it would cost us more in time and. And, and petrol and all sorts of things to go on the roads with the amount of traffic we have in Sydney if we didn't have toll roads. So uh, I love the fact that they built all these roads. May they carry on doing so. And as long as their shareholders are busy subsidising me driving on toll, uh, Transurban's roads, <laughs> I'm very happy. But no, I don't feel like subsidising other people by buying shares of this company. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that is Transurban. Boy, we're 
We're really struggling today, aren't we, Howard? Let's see、oh. if we can get.、Uh, well, I just know this next one's not going to get a lot of love from、no. Howard Coleman and the guys at Team Invest. It's Fortescue Metals. This is picked by Nadia. Nadia, if you're a first-time watcher, first time submitting a question,、um, I've known Howard for oh more than a decade. Correct? That's true. And I don't know if I've yet to see a miner that you like. Well,、uh, yes, that's true. But if you're looking at miners, it's actually a really re- well-run one. There you go. So, Here we go. You know, on the basis that you feel the need to own a miner, this has got so it's Fortescue. Did I even say we're talking about Fortescue? Yeah, yeah. Fortescue. Yeah, it's got high return on equity,、uh, running in the 30s. It's got minimal debt, and in fact, could probably pay it off fairly quickly if it wanted to. Its earnings have been growing,、um, but of course, you have to remember it's totally dependent on the iron ore price. Now the Chinese economy has got everything about it that looks like one of these classic bubbles that's about to burst. Now sometimes bubbles burst suddenly, and everybody reads about it for another few hundred years.、Uh, sometimes they deflate slowly, more like a balloon letting a little bit of air out slowly.、Uh, I don't know which it's going to be. I don't think anybody can predict it. But the likelihood of China needing the volume of iron ore that it has been needing over the next few years. Is very low indeed. That it's almost certain they're going to be buying less. The moment they're buying less, it's not good for the Australian economy. I don't mean they'll be buying zero, but they'll be buying less. Iron ore prices will come down closer to the cost of production. The moment they do that, these wonderful profits from Fortescue will shrink to being much lower than that. So, from a point of view of predictability, if you're buying into the company, as well run as it is, it's not in control of its own destiny. And when you're looking for wealth winners, you want to buy into companies where they can make decisions wisely that can control their own destiny. Fortescue can't. So I don't like any miners. Team Invest doesn't like any miners. But if you really want to have a miner, well, this one is exceptionally well run. Um, yeah, there are some that are a little bit reticent about it starting, you know, new venture capital to go into、yeah. clean energy and all the、yeah. rest of it. I was、it's, just reading. Actually, we spoke with Vivek Dar from the Commonwealth Bank today. There's been a lot of enthusiasm in the price of iron ore lately, partly because of some of what China is doing in relation to its property market.、Um, it's got a whitelist, but、uh, Vivek Dar, at least from the Commonwealth Bank, says that that looks to be temporary. He reckons that iron ore prices between 100 US per wet metric ton and 110. Better reflects the fundamentals. He says that iron ore markets are overly optimistic about steel consumption in the next few months. That interview is up online if you'd like to have a listen. By the way, because I know a lot of our viewers、Probably、are very into iron ore. Probably a good idea for people to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So,、um, Grady, that all being said,、yeah. what is the view on Fortescue at Bell Potter? It's actually a sell. Yeah.、Um, recently, so they have had a softer start to FY24 than we expected. They've lowered their guidance recently. Their reported shipments for September quarter were down on Bell Potter expectations. Expectations and costs obviously came in lower because it was lower、um, shipments. Their cash costs were up on the previous quarter, which again, not good, not a、nope. good thing.、Um, they've taken on more debt and they have higher net debt levels. So again, in a high interest rate environment, not good to have debt.、Um, they also have. Just yesterday, actually,、um, announced their final investment decision for three of their hydrogen plants、mm-hmm. that they're looking to get into. For a while, this was the key negative factor for us because the technology that they rely on for FFI or the Fortescue Future Industries and Energy Division was not made, and so it's not even commercial. It's not made. It's not approved.、Yeah. So, and they're just piling money like. 
so much investment into it. And if it's not approved, it's not working, where's the money really going? But now we have the final investment decision. That's a very good start. But they're saying it's going to be 750 million US dollars over these three approved projects alone over the next three years, just for those three. And they have three more in the pipeline. So that's a lot of money piling into these this technology that is part of the green energy transition, but at the same time, hydrogen hasn't really had that start that everyone was expecting yet. So, and in fact, if I can add to the yet, yeah. uh, my grey hairs say I'm not very young. <laughs> and when I was at university in the 1960s, that's how long ago it was, I majored in physics, and there was a huge amount of talk at that stage of hydrogen being the next power source, and that it was going to be a clean power source. Yeah. And we all believe that within perhaps 10 years, we'd see these hydrogen plants that yeah. were going to be producing hydrogen. I'm still waiting. Yeah. And uh, exactly. you know, that's uh, <laughs> what, uh, 60 odd years ago? Well, um, well, not quite, 55 years ago? Exactly. Uh, not quite that old, 55 <laughs> years ago. Exactly, so it just goes to show what we're expecting and how, who knows when it will come. Hydrogen's been a wonderful story yes. for my entire life. Um, <laughs> And it's yet to turn into anything that makes any profits for anybody. Exactly. So watch this space, but yeah, it's a sell at the moment. Okay, there you go, Nadia. That one is for you. That brings us to number five on today's list, and that is Hello World, picked by Michael. So I hosted this program back on Tuesday, I think it was, with Philip Pepe from Sean Partners. Hi, Phil, if you're watching. Um, he had Hello World as sort of the bonus buy. Um, because uh, he reckons people are still traveling and we have seen the data that shows that we are and uh, plenty of people who own their homes outright and are of a certain age and are still spending big in this economy. Michelle Bullock, the RBA governor last night, talking about homegrown inflation as well. Yeah. So that plays into it. Um, hello, world. Uh, I'll start with you, Grady. Yeah. Uh, what's the rating there at Bell Potter? We don't rate it, but okay. I go across consensus, obviously looking at the fundamentals yep. recently, and I actually have a buy rating on it because there's a few things that are really good. At, um, they've got some really good tailwinds at the moment. Obviously, the data you're talking about is the international arrivals, departures as well. Um, they're really supportive in September. Massive tailwinds coming. The arrivals were up 50% on September 2022. And um, if we look back to then, interest rates were lower and the borders had just opened. So everyone wanted to come and go. So if travel is still this high now, goes to show there's some serious tailwinds coming in for travel demand. Um, we also see that the company's result came in at the top end of guidance as well. So that's obviously a massive win when they have, uh, obviously setting guidance is really hard in this current macro environment, but they've topped their guidance, which is another big tick. Um, we also see a surge in demand for premium international leisure travel. So I don't know about you, but a lot of my friends recently have thought, I haven't traveled in years, I'm gonna treat myself to business travel. And so I get Instagrams all the time of people just in business class. I block those people. First class, I know, I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting at work in Sydney with the rain yeah. and it's great, but no, so my friends are traveling and a lot of people are traveling leisure style. So I'm really premium style. So they're really capitalizing on this because I know all of the uh, travel agents are really making margins on this uh, area of travel. So um, we like that, but also the fact that the acquisition of Express Travel Group for 70 million in June this year is expected to add scale next year. So as we know with acquisitions, you see the benefits come in the following months after the acquisition. So we're expecting to see some big scale on that front. Okay, so, so that yeah, is a really buy good company. for Hello yeah, World. Yeah. Um, look, obviously suffered in the pandemic, but sure. I mean, pulled itself up by the bootstraps. Yeah, I mean, they've got out of business travel and are specializing now only in holiday travel. 
And as uh, Grady said, you mentioned, um, retirees are doing a lot more traveling and prefer to fly near the front of the plane. So there's a fair <laughs> bit of money for it. And putting that in perspective, where does this come from? Australia's in the wonderful position so far, it could change, that more money comes into the country every month than goes out. Our balance of trade is positive. Our balance of uh, payments is positive, mainly because China buys so much of our iron ore uh, oil, gas, coal, etc. Not only China, but they're the biggest single client. And while you have more money coming in than going out, you're not very likely going to have a recession. You're going to have people spending more. It's the same as if as a household, if you have more income coming in than you have expenditure going out, your household doesn't feel that it's suffering a recession. That's where we are at the moment, but that's unlikely to continue long term. This doesn't go on forever. And uh, at the moment, that's looking good, with us probably putting our interest rates up while other countries have probably reached their peak, some of them, because they started earlier than us and were more aggressive than us. The Australian dollar is likely to rise. That means we don't get as much coming in versus going out. China's wheels could fall off its economy. So, uh, and, and Hello, Hello World's not the strongest of all the uh, travel agents out there. It's a very fragmented industry. So if you're going to look in this industry, I'd say the better two are either flight center or corporate travel. But Hello World's metrics look quite decent. It's not a poor company. doesn't look like it's going to be a capital killer. But it's hard to see that it will be a beneficiary if things slow down. Uh, it's too dependent on leisure travel, whereas both flight center and uh, corporate travel uh, have a high proportion in corporate travel's case, almost all yeah. uh, business travel. Okay, there you go. So preferred picks being flight center and corporate travel. Um, great. Now, guys, already we are there halfway mark. You guys take a breather. I'll carry the load for a few minutes. Here is what we have learned so far. So our stock of the day, TPG, is a sell from both of our guests. Um, plenty of competition. Everyone's looking for a bargain and we're in a high cost environment. So it's a sell. Let's get to the next on the list, which is at NAB. Again, both of my guests would sell. Grady says it's just fully valued and net interest margins have peaked. Why be there? Look, reasonable dividend yield, of course, that goes without saying from the banks. But Howard says you would only consider buying the banks if they were on a PE less than 10. That's not the case for the NAB. Then we got to Life360, didn't we? A huge buy rating for Grady. She was unable to convince Howard, who still rates it a sell, or vice versa. So Howard was unable to convince Grady. So we'll leave it at that. We'll um, carry on this argument for a while. I think so. I can't wait for next time. We'll see. And once you have new information to go on, it always yeah. heats it up a bit. All right, so Transurban sell for Howard. We just very happy for shareholders to subsidize his rides, but uh, he's not willing to do the same for you. Hold for Grady because there are some really sticky components uh, that, you know, keep the money coming through the door. Fortescue, it's a sell for the team in uh, for the team at Belt Potter. Team Invest says, actually, Howard says, you know, he doesn't really want to own a miner, but if you are looking to own a miner, this one is very well run. Earnings are growing. So this is one to consider. I don't think that's an outright buy, though, coming no. from Howard. No. Okay, hello, world. It is an outright buy coming for Grady, but it is a, look, it's a, maybe a hold if you own yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad company, yeah. but... Okay, Flight Center, Corporate Travel, 
better in the space. So there you go. Look, our investment committee is almost due for an update, isn't it? They've got some great stuff to chat about when they meet, uh, really toward the end of this month. I think it's next, late next week. Um, last month, not a lot happened. We had a good chat and we decided that well, I didn't decide, we were just talking about it, but the committee said, you know, there's no point in changing things for the same, sake of changing things. What they did do was trim 1% from MA Financial, added it to Challenger. That didn't keep everybody happy, but it is a committee. So let's see how the portfolio is performing. We're up about 10% as since its inception on the 1st of March, 2022. So keep sending those through and we will keep putting these questions to our guests. So just to remind you of the rules, Two buys, it gets sent to the committee for discussion. If there are two sells, put on a company already in the portfolio that again, they've got to put that up for discussion at the next meeting. And you can check out all those episodes online at ausbiz.com.au. All right, next little bit, we've got Parenti Global. So that's in the mining services space. We've got Australian Vintage uh, Wine. Whitehaven Coal says it in the name, GGL Group and Woodside. That'll be an interesting one. Somebody told me the other day that they reckon that Woodside might be in a spot of trouble. It was on this program. I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, but yeah, I think we were discussing maybe Karun Gas. So we'll see if any of that comes up. Let's get to it, shall we? Six stock, Parenti, PRN is the ticker code. And this has been picked by Sean. I'm gonna start with you, Grady. It is a buy rating. Now, the thing that we like about it, there's a few different things. Now, they recently acquired DDH1 Driller. Yeah. So they're expanding their offering, their service offering in the mining space to drilling now as well. So which offers a massive amount of growth because I'm not sure about you if you've realized or if you've seen every single week that there is more explorers than ever right now for lithium, for gold, for copper, for everything. It's a kind of story. So, you know, if you go drill a hole, you've exactly, got a story. Exactly. You kick some dirt, you could find gold. Exactly what they say. So it's um, their, expert, their expertise in underground mining, which is a very good place to be because as we saw with Develop Global, they've got the contract for uh, Bellevue Gold. Again, they're really capitalizing on the underground mining. So given that Parenti's in this space, it's a really strong margin space to be in. Um, they also have the, they're also at the moment, they're progressive and de-risking their geographical portfolio in tier one jurisdictions. They've got Australia, Africa, North America, and North America, Canadian region, as you would know, you're from Canada, is um, it's lithium. Everyone- James Bay. It is, James Bay is literally what everyone, I was at a mining conference last week and everyone is talking about James Bay being the place for hard rock lithium. And, so, and somehow we think we can do it better than the Canadians. I don't think we can, but no. watch this space. <laughs> so yeah, at the moment, um, and they've also got, with their results, their operating cash flow was uh, a strong, was a really strong cash flow, cash flow conversion, 95%, and their net debt was a 17% beat. So really strong results, a really good place to be in. We're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of interest in the exploration, I hate that word, exploration space. So buy rating on Parenti. There you go. So we've got an upcoming AGM. That's, yes. that's a, that was actually yesterday, I think. Interesting because City has a buy rating saying that we would get a lot of good detail coming from that AGM. Um, Macquarie also has an outperform rating on the company, just saying that, yeah, that strong result was really interesting and that operating cash flow conversion was strong because traditionally some of these mining services, um, you know, uh, companies, they, they're cyclical, right? So they make hay while the sun is shining, but even still their margins are quite low. Yeah, well, they haven't made much hay. 
Um, they, you know, in the, they've been listed for three, six, eight years. Um, and in the eight years, the highest return on equity one year in 2018 was 7.2%. The average return on equity over the eight years is in the high fours. Now, if a company's only generating 4 to 5% return on equity, all you as a shareholder in the long term can get is about a 4 to 5% return. Maybe occasionally you buy it when it's cheap and you get a little bit more than that. But um, the, the, the starting point of any investment is it has a generating or is it generating enough return on equity that I can make a decent return. Um, so, you know, it, it, it certainly doesn't look very exciting from our point of view. Yes, the company's growing. Yes, it's expanding around the world. But expanding around the world doesn't just mean you have more opportunity. It also means you have more cost. You've now got to have more administration in that country. You've got to have more staff in that country. And there's this uh, wonderful idea people have in, it's not unique to Australia, in pretty much any country that, oh, we can go to another country and make more money than the locals. Well, the locals invariably know the environment better um, than the people coming there from, from far away. So I look at Parenti and I say, you know, if I was going to be in a mining services company, mineral resources looks far, far, far better than this. It's got much higher return on equity. Um, it's been growing its earnings far better than this. So, um, you know, uh, if Team Invest members glanced at this, they wouldn't get past the return on equity chart. They'd say, forget it, move on, waste of time looking at this company. There you go, Sean. There is the verdict from Grady and Howard. Let's get to the next company that's on the list. And this is Australian Vintage. AVG. This has been picked by Mike and in full disclosure, Australian Vintage does sponsor our program on Friday afternoons called The Last Call. Really looking forward to having a glass tomorrow. So they tomorrow. provide the wine as well. Oh, well, we have to Very say something lucky. And you, if you watch the program, you can put your name in the hat for oh. to win a case of wine. So there you go. I've it done the promo the for everyone. <laughs> um, wonderful. What do you think of the company? Well, anything agriculture related really turns into a wealth winner. And that's a great pity because we need these kind of companies uh, or we enjoy their products in the case of uh, AVG. But again, it's a company that's had 10 years of not once even getting close to 10% return on equity. Uh, it's got a fair bit of debt. It probably owns lots of land, so maybe that's reasonably okay, but it's got a fair bit of debt as well. Uh, earnings per share um, have been growing over the last few years, so that's at least the one positive in it. But, um, you know, on a pure personal level, I've a couple of times in my life foolishly got involved in owning parts of a wine company. Uh, and what I got out of it, well, it's a lot of nice wine. I very rarely got any money out of it. Um, the amount of money I exited was always smaller than the amount of money I entered. But I got to drink some nice products along the way. So uh, I wish them well. I hope they keep upgrading the kind of wine they make and make really good wine because then we can really enjoy good stuff. But no, uh, I don't think I or any team invest member would invest in this. Now, he really tried there to put a good spin on it. Thanks, Howard. <laughs> what do you think, Grady? Uh, to hold with Bell Potter at the moment with a price target of 46 cents per share. Now, we have seen, a it was a difficult year. No, there's no denying that. Mm -hmm. But there's some, there's some inflation in the UK. So they've obviously got UK contribution um, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, other global markets. And the UK inflation started, or inflationary environment there started unwinding. So we're seeing 
seeing a lot more demand there and that offsets some of the weakness in Australia and New Zealand. So again, this is a good thing when you've got global exposure. Um, the company is paying off its debt because it had a sale of a vineyard. So again, in a high interest rate environment, you want to pay off debt, big tick there. Um, it's a hold because the current mix at the moment is good. So we're liking that some of the weaker areas are offset by stronger areas. But apparently wine consumption globally is going down. I was like, I can't, they're not speaking for me. Oh, right. I was like, <laughs> so apparently it's going down. I'm not sure why, maybe because it's expensive and cost of living pressures are up. But apparently young people aren't drinking as much as I, young people used to. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, don't point at me. Well, my, I, I, didn't, I didn't know who to point at. I didn't want to be really young. My, I was my, just saying. My generation didn't drink I much at all. But the, the uni students today are yeah. drinking much less yeah. than 10 and 20 years ago. Yeah, it really even beer. Which, apparently, absolutely. like, they don't go and just have a, you know. I used to love going to the pub at lunchtime mm. with my yep. $5, $5 pint. Absolutely. Absolutely. They call them pictures <laughs> in Canada. You can get a picture and a beer. <laughs> a picture um, and a palm yeah. on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's all changed. All the fun oh, they're missing out on. Well, Boring. I'm glad I'm in my generation yeah. then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a whole just because of the um, a few. Changing tastes. Yeah, yeah changing okay. Taste all right, the there you go. That's Australian vintages. Uh, let's get on to Whitehaven Coal. So we're back to the miners. Um, coal, we're back to ESG. I mean, I know that there's some viewers that say that we don't, when we're talking about these miners in general, talk about ESG enough uh, and what that means, you know, not just from an ideological sort of standpoint, but what it actually means for financials going forward. Mm -hmm. So Grady, um, you don't have to, but Whitehaven yeah. Coal, do you guys think about those implications? Absolutely. You must for coal. Absolutely, and coal is deemed a dirty energy. There's no sugar coating on it. Uh, There's no sugar coating, it's a dirty energy. So uh, uh, we actually have a sell rating at the moment, a price target of $6, um, because there's some, a few decisions pending in 2024. Obviously, um, the company faced some serious weather impact, La Nina, El Nino, um, open pit mining. So they weren't the only ones who faced this, but it did impact some of their production and some of their assets in the uh, New South Wales Gunnedah Basin in FY23. Um, the company also recently purchased two coking coal mines from BHP and its partner Mitsubishi. Yeah, and there were some shareholders who were very upset about that. Yeah, so $3.2 billion US dollars. So that inc obviously increases debt, and again, at the time where it's a very expensive to service debt. Um, and they that's to expand their portfolio, but again, if anything, we're seeing companies in the coal space or dirty, deemed dirty energy space moving into the green energy transition. So why they would go ahead and spend $3.2 billion on a coking coal mines is just a bit confusing. Um, they did have enough cash though, so that kind of supported the purchase of these mines. But with a lot of fund managers actually staying away from investing in coal. Like go back to 2022, coal was the word, Whitehaven coal was the stock of the year because we had an energy crisis. But with that averted now, and their focus still on the green energy transition, how can coal become relevant again? I'm not sure. It's, yeah, it definitely works against them being in this big coal space, dirty energy space. So we're expecting, we just see challenges with growth production over the coming years. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it, but a dirty place to be. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's um, a sell. It's a sell, yeah. Yeah, I think a little bit of perspective is needed on which coal. Yeah. Um, there are two kinds of large, I mean, they're in between. 
But coal is used for steel production. It's also used for producing energy. Now, the coal that's used for producing energy, it's not that hard for the world to change. Having said that, when I was at university, again, mentioning that, uh, we had a professor of applied mathematics who had a very heavy Afrikaans accent, and I'll try and uh, copy it. And he used to say, your children and grandchildren will curse you if you don't stop burning dirty coal. <laughs> and that was a comment he would make at least once a week in a lecture. And since then, coal use in generating energy has gone up every single solitary year. So we've been talking about coal being dirty for over 50 years, and we're still burning more of it every year, and we will probably be burning more of it 10 years from now than we're burning today. Not in Australia, but worldwide, we'll be burning more of it. That's not an excuse for coal. The second side of it is um, coking coal or metallurgical coal. There is no alternative to that. You can't use solar energy for, the, for producing steel. Mm. The only alternative is something we don't accept in this country. 60 other, other countries around the world, 63 or 65 I think it is, and that's nuclear power. Because it's the only other power available today that can be used for steel production. So the re end result of that is the coking coal mines that Whitehaven have are going to be able to make money for as long as the world holds off building enough nuclear power plants. Now, there are lots of nuclear power plants being built around the world, but nowhere near enough to replace the coal. When it comes to the uh, thermal coal used for power generation, yes, we're giving away our business to other countries in the world. We're saying we don't want to do it here. Let other people mine coal, they can sell the coal and make the money, we will be focused on the climate and if they want to damage the climate, we'll do our best to make the climate good. Now that would work really well if we could put a dome over Australia so that none of the carbon dioxide from the rest of the world got into our atmosphere. Unfortunately, we can't do that. Coming back to Whitehaven as a business case. Uh, yeah, but we can still try to reduce emissions, oh, but absolutely. this is a conversation for another no, day. No, no, yeah. I, I totally agree we should try and reduce emissions. Mm. I'd be happy if we didn't have any coal at all. But from an in investment point of view, um, it's on an incredibly low PE. So the chances are if you bought into this company, you'll make money. Will you make money doing something I would like happening? No. Um, I wouldn't own a coal mine. Um, <coughs> I wouldn't like to see more coal being burnt. I wish we'd go nuclear. But having said that, the chances are at the PE ratio that it's currently on, which is less than three, um, you could hardly lose money by buying into a coal mine. But also 86% of their production is from the thermal coal. Mm. So they will make money from the coking coal, agree, but 86% of production at the moment is thermal. But on so a P of less than three, exactly. you can hardly lose. Yeah, but you're not I wouldn't losing. own it. Yeah, yeah, neither. Mm, I'm confused. So this is not a buy? No. Okay. <laughs> There we go, well, just, just throwing that up, Josh. Yeah, better. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, let's get to the next on the list. And this is DGL, DGL Limited. Um, just bringing up to see if I can get any broker notes on it. But in the meantime, Howard, why don't you run us through the metrics of this company? Yeah, it's um, only been listed for three years, so the metrics don't really give us enough information to really know. It, it's chemical manufacturing, correct? Yeah, and distribution. So. Yeah. Um, it was a little hard to understand. I read up a bit on it and uh, 
Um, I wasn't entirely sure what it did, but it's largely in chemical production, various kinds of chemicals. It's had two years where it just scraped in having more than 10% return on equity. The most recent year, only 6.4. That's not encouraging. Uh, earnings, again, uh, two years ago was better than last year. The earnings dropped quite significantly from one year to the next. Got a little bit of debt. Um, it fits within our filters, but only just in terms of the debt. But with only three years worth of history, it's really hard to know. And um, our Team Invest members uh, wouldn't spend any time on this. They'd say, let's have a bit more history where we can really look at the numbers uh, on a longer period of time. So no from us, but it doesn't look that bad. I mean, it is profitable. And, uh, uh, you know, large proportion of the companies on the stock exchange aren't they just stories. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's not a great looking chart up there right now. What do you think, Grady? DGL? It's a niche company, so it took a little bit to get my head around. But yeah. I've got to have a buy rating on it um, and a price target of $1. Now, it is profitable, as which is a big tick for a company. But mm-hmm. again, it's a really niche company. So if you're looking for a niche um, investment opportunity, buy rating on this one. Um, again, we've got, it's in the ag space, you've got the ag chem, you've got the construction mining, it's, it services a lot of different industries. So again, you kind of ride the waves of those industries and cycles as well. So that's one thing to note if you're investing in this company. Um, they delivered a really strong cash result in FY23. Their warehousing EBITDA was up 49% and also manu- uh, the revenue, overall revenue was up 26%. The company have said that labor costs are easing and they're expecting their growth tra- trajectory to continue into FY24. So again, at the at this level, it's a buy rating if you're looking for that really niche investment opportunity. But for me personally, I don't know enough about the company. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Um, but officially, Bell Potter has a buy rating yes. on the company. Let's get to the last on the list. This is for Philip. Woodside Energy, WDS. So we often talk about Woodside and we see the share price go up and down on the price of crude oil, even though it is primarily a gas. And so big company, but um, forecast for earnings and cash flow um, is looking a little bit iffy in Citi's view. Um, it's downgraded its rating to sell. That was just a few days ago saying that it's got material downgrades, market consensus will follow in its footsteps based on the company's own projections for the next five years. City believes Woodside's earning power is deteriorating. The decline of legacy LNG and acquired assets means that it's increasingly capex intensive. And so it's really quite negative on, uh, on Woodside right now. Yeah, well, the problem with uh, oil and gas producers is they are extraordinarily capital intensive. Yeah. and. The negative thing for Woodside too is some of the projects that they could do close to home, they can't get environmental approval. There's too much fuss about that. So they've had to move more and more offshore. So instead of spending our money, if we Australian shareholders locally, they're going to be spending that capital uh, elsewhere, making some other country money instead of us, which is a bit of a pity. But capital intensive businesses like this never turn out to be wealth winners. You can make money occasionally trading them if you're smart enough to be able to buy them when the oil price is down and sell them when the oil price is up. Um, You can join the millions of people around the world who are trying to do that. If you're actually looking at long-term investments, these are not good because they spend billions today to hopefully make back that money over the next 20 years when they don't know what they're going to be selling their product at 
for the next 20 years and they don't know what governments are going to do to make it difficult for them or add extra taxes to them. So uh, terrible businesses when you have to have massive capital expenditure in the hope that society and governments let you earn the money for decades thereafter. So a no from us. Okay. But it, it runs itself quite well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is a no or a sell. What do you think, Grady? Yeah, double sell. I feel like today's been a really bearish episode. Uh-huh. Well, might I'm be not a sign of the times. Not sure. Not sure. Yeah. It's so, also, by the way, that the 2,200 companies on the stock exchange, yeah. and only about 100 of them have decent um, m- metrics all the way through. Yeah. So we're going to get uh, mm. 21 poor ones for everyone we get really excited about. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. So anybody who was considering emailing in, <laughs> there's your answer from, <laughs> from Howard. You know, like people put these questions yeah. in, we do our best to answer them. It's not our job to be pushing yeah. stocks, right? So yeah, would would sell at the moment, just because again, as Howard said, um, they are very driven by commodity prices. As we know, oil price has been so volatile this year. Mm-hmm. It's uh, down today because OPEC Plus just moved a meeting. And so it is so volatile. The outlook looks volatile. Um, Operating in this space as well, you've got um, higher, they've got higher fixed OPEX, higher depreciation and amortization, less liquids, more gas production. So there's a lot of play here that is looking really negative for Woodside heading into 2024. And they've also got um, some issues with wells that they're mad dog phase two. Scarborough CapEx is up. Um, new energy spend is up 1 billion US dollars in funding gap. So these are all just a bit of a, an avoid situation here. Um, because as you know, in a high cost environment, having even higher costs is not a good thing. Imagine sitting on a board where every time the CEO comes in and wants to talk about any expansion uh, and you say, how much is it going to cost? And before you hear the number at the beginning, you know it's going to be billions yeah. and you're making a decision on that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's too well, stressful. Glad it's not me. All Sorry. right, so that is a sell for Woodside. Yeah. Guys, we've done that quite nicely. I'll just review what we've learned in the second half of the program and the first one was printing it is a buy for the team at bell potter um good expansion plans in grady's view with its most recent acquisition it's a sell because they haven't made much hay howard says okay Mm -hmm. let's get to australian vintage a sell earnings per share is growing that's a positive but um howard's not had much luck with wine producers in the past um, because you know tough business to be in a uh, global exposure is what grady and the team like about australian vintage but it is a hold uh, just because it is facing some headwinds um whitehaven coal it's a sell for grady dirty energy um howard wouldn't own a coal mine but uh, look, it's pretty cheap right now, he does point out. When it gets to GGL, it's a buy. It's very niche, but the team at Bell Potter has a buy rating for Grady. She's not going to go out and buy it today herself personally because she doesn't know the business well enough, but it is quite cyclical as well. Profitable, that's a big tick for Howard, but it's just not the kind of company he'd invest in, so that's a no. And Woodside, it's a sell. Capital intensive, not great long-term investments for Howard, but um, and a sell for Grady as well because it's so volatile, which really driven by price. So that is where we found ourselves at the end of this Thursday's edition of The Call. Really glad that you joined us for it. Whether you're watching or listening, don't go just yet. Let me tell you, have you ever wondered about the secret to success in stock picking? We try to cover it from many different points of view here on AusBiz. Well, we are helping Stock Doctor bring you this virtual investor event. So you can join Daniel Ortiz. He's a regular on The Call. And Tim Lincoln, 
in as they lift the lid on the rigorous processes that they use, the filters as well, to pick stocks and power returns. Some of these so-called secrets have led to the stock doctor's star stocks to yield more than 17% per annum since inception. All right, so this is your chance. You register for free. The address is at the bottom of your screen. For those of you listening, it's osbiz.co forward slash stock doctor, all one word. And uh, yeah, it's got a Q&A so you can ask some questions. They want to share some of their share market secrets with you. So that is the call for today. Really great to have you with us. Very, very great to have you with us oh, as well. Oh, it's fun. Howard Coleman from Team Invest and Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Yeah, good conversation, guys. And don't forget to send in your picks for us and we'll get to them ASAP. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 